Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I am a park ranger at the Grand Canyon National Park. The hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A vast chasm of the Grand Canyon, with its towering red rock formations and pristine beauty, is awe-inspiring to behold. But beneath the stunning exterior lies a dark and dangerous secret that has been hidden deep within the heart of the canyon for centuries. One evening, as I was patrolling the park, I heard a strange guttural noise coming from the heart of the deep woods. Curiosity piqued, I decided to investigate. But what I encountered was far from what I expected. As I ventured deeper into the woods, I came face to face with a dark, hulking figure. It was over seven feet tall, covered in fur and its eyes glinted with a malevolent hunger. It was unlike any creature I had ever seen before. Before I could even reach for my radio, the creature attacked. I was outnumbered and outmatched, but I refused to give up. I fought with all my might, using every ounce of my strength and training. 
It was a struggle for survival with the dark Bigfoot intent on taking me down. In the end, I was able to escape. With the experience left me shaken and haunted by what I had encountered, I soon realized that what I had encountered was far more than just a wild animal. It was a dark mystery, something beyond my understanding, lurking in the heart of the Grand Canyon. And even now, as I look back on that fateful day, I can't help but shiver with a mix of fear and excitement. This actually happened to me when I was a fair bit younger, but a while back I was solo backpacking on an unfamiliar but really lush, kinda twisty little backcountry trail. I was using a lot of gear I had made from natural stuff, and it was early summer so I didn't have any hunting licenses, and I didn't have a gun or anything with me. Literally just a short kilt I had made and a couple flint knives. I had had a really nice couple days of my trip and I was encountering nothing but pleasant weather, peace and quiet and nature in all its glory. Then on the third day, after I broke for lunch, I noticed movement on the trail behind me. I was carrying a lot of weight in a homemade triangle frame pack as a strength building exercise and I wasn't going all that fast. I thought at first it was a hiker, so I made a little effort to slow down to let them pass. But they never seemed to catch up. Eventually, that started to become irritating, and that was when I started to notice the movement just off the trail behind me. It was staying behind trees and bushes and around bends, and I couldn't make out what it was. Its silhouette was indistinct, and it was staying behind cover. Couldn't get a square look at it the more it looked at it the more it looked wrong. The torso was weird, too long, no waist, and I couldn't make sense of the glimpses I got of the head. The legs were extremely spindly and the arms were hunched up or something, or tinted in front of it or something. This was mostly on clay, and trails can be hard-packed ground on clay, almost drum-like. Sometimes you can really hear the thump of a footstep. But these were just erratic and so loud, like slamming a stick down onto the dirt. I called out to it a few times, let it know the time for jokes was over. Knock it off a few times. Whenever I spoke or yelled, it would just get quiet. Every once in a while, there would be a crashing sound from back around where I heard it and a bunch of the thumps, and I kept thinking it was charging me, but then nothing. And a while later, it would hear it again from a ways back. This lasted the full rest of the day, and by the time I was breaking for camp, I was starting to be pretty freaked out and pissed off. It was quiet while I set up my tarp and got settled in this dark fell. I threw some stones behind me, mostly to settle my nerves, and it was silent, so I figured whatever it was was over. When I cooked my food, I heard a few very rapid, very loud thumps from a ways behind me, and then silence. I was frozen over my dinner for a few seconds, and I could feel my heartbeat in my eyes. I looked back and put my flashlight beam through the bushes for a few moments, and then pretty high, like taller than I was expecting to look for eyes. I saw two retinas reflect back up, and then a bunch of thumps and crashing and a weird gasping, whistling, breathing sound. But like it was going, into a big space in a big chest, kinda high-pitched, from the distance, I heard canned if a gagging cough. I didn't get any sleep that night, 
I just sat with my back to a big tree, and with means of defending myself in my lap. I was not feeling good in the morning, but coffee got me up and running, and I didn't see or hear any more, sign of it, for a few hours. I had been going west, kind of at an angle to the wind, and the trail I had to switch to started going north, with the wind on my back. That was when I started to smell something awful, and I realized that I must be smelling it, because it persisted no matter how long I walked. It was rancid, rotting flesh or something equally gag-inducing, paired with a kind of musky stink. I've got a strong sense of smell, very strong, and it was making it hard to breathe. Not too long after I smelled that I had a tread to hear the rustling behind me again and the weird, loud, faltering footsteps. I still had no idea what it was. I kept getting glimpses of it, but couldn't make out color or anything definite. Could have been gray or brown or patches of reddish brown. Never got a clear enough look at it. I was really freaked out at this point, and I decided stupidly to charge at it a little to see if it would take off. I stopped and rushed the bushes a little, and I heard the rapid thumps and crashing again, and then silence again for a while. I am not ashamed to admit that it had freaked me out for long enough that I decided it was just time to put distance between me and it and I took off down the trail at a fair jog, despite the weight of my pack. I got clear of the stink for a bit, and, well, I had run too hard and my body decided it was a great time to vomit, so I did. I took a breather for a while and then started to really drag ass to my next watering spot, a little brook, and it was no fun at all. It took me most of the day to get there, and I ended up skipping lunch because I didn't want to stop. I ended up deciding to set up camp closer to the water than I usually do. I was determined to get some sleep, but still freaked out, so I decided to do something I wouldn't normally, and I set my hammock up really, really high. Likes around four or five feet off the ground with my feet a little lower than my body so I could roll out and land on them. I ate my food as quickly as I could and then climbed best as I could into my hammock and tried to be as still as I could. I started to doze off almost immediately. An important detail is that I keep my pack on another tree with my tancho over it and my bear locker in a food bag even further away, hanging in a tree. It had been drizzling for a few hours at that point. I don't know how long I slept before I was woken up by this bizarre, plasticky drumming sound. Really, really, really loud, paired with a bizarre thumping and weird breathing, and the stench was back big time. It took me a moment to come to, and then I was in full fight or flight. Or flight. The noise was so weird. It had one of those little inflatable lanterns hanging off my hammock, so I flicked it on, and I could kind of vaguely see around me the bushes and stuff. As soon as the night went on, the noises all stopped silence, long enough for crickets to start up their bullshit again. Then rapid steps, and the thing popped through the foliage into the little area I had set up my tarp and hammock, and I could see it more clearly for the first time. It was long torsoed and thin-legged and moved lurchingly, weird, too big head, apparently pierced through with a branch or something and lolling, arms apparently outstretched in front of it, and I could see its eyes reflecting back at me, greenish-yellow. I got that much of a glance and dropped down to the grojod in my bare feet while my hatchet in hand. When I looked back up, I finally recognized it. 
It was a mule-deer buck, covered in sores and dirt and skeletally thin, stumbling around on its hind legs and going from tree to tree, snapping at leaves, or a young thing that, that weren't there. Its breathing was super ragged and weird, and its head was veedy floppy on its neck, and as it got closer to me it fell down, making the crashing sound it had made before, and then struggled back up. When it noticed me it froze, pissed a bunch, and then took off into the bushes. I would have laughed if I hadn't been so relieved and tired. I went to inspect my food bag, and it looked like I hadn't tied it well nor high enough as it was down, leaning against the truck of the tree, and it had had the ever-loving shit kicked out of it. There were bent and scuffed bits all over my bear locker. I figured it must have had CWWD or something, but Christ did that F with me. I marked a few spots with Eric's pushed into the mud so I could find the tracks in the morning, dried off, and slept for a few hours. I ended up searching around the place for a while in the morning, and it had already been muddy as I was putting up my shelter. Here's the thing. I found deer prints from where it had come in and left, but outside my clearing from the direction I had heard it coming, I only found one print, a lot smaller than my feet. I'm size 11 and flat-footed, with a high arch and only three does, and it was indeed deeper than my prints. No other tracks that I could find. I caught the rotting meat smell a few more times on the way back. I was supposed to go two days further in and then turn a run and I decided to just head back to my car. I actually heard the thumping as I was getting back to where I parked and I ended up hustling the rest of the way. I'd had it hiked on that trail since, if I'm being honest, part two. I had a self-rescue I had to do in the Laramie Peak Range. I lost my gear and map in shelter in a windstorm. Took a few days to get out. Had some deeply unpleasant experiences along the way. This isn't that story. It sucked ass, but not all that scary. I kept a cool head. Typically, that's who I am. I'm the person who stays calm in crisis, and I mention that to give you a litmus test for what it takes to freak me out, to make me lose my cool. This is about a time when I had all my gear, but I couldn't keep my cool. There are a lot of cool little trails in Colorado, some well-known, some only locals know. There are mountains and forests for days out there. In 2013, we got torrential downpours in September along the eastern slope. It was squelchy as shit for a while, and then a glorious mushrooming boom happened. I love mushrooms. I love to forage, take one, leave three, and my absolute favorite is the Boletus rubriceps. The conditions weren't exactly right, but I thought, why not? I gave it a shot. I'm not saying where my spot is. Wild horses couldn't, etc. I will say I also have the native hazel there. Some actually fruiting manzanita. Watermelon berry, twist stalk, clasp leaf, currants, rose hips, raspberries, strawberries, frequently oysters, moles, hawk's wings, puffballs, the big ones in one meadow, milky caps, chicken of the woods and chicken of the road, and the only chanterelles I've found in the region all in a glorious few acres. It's wonderful. I had dispersed camp there. This is where I went. No brainer. Now it's fall, even if it's somewhat early fall, so I know that Yogi and Boo Boo are gonna be out stuffing it for the winter, so I've got my spray and my uncle's lever action, 44 Meg Henry, 
Girlfriend at the time was supposed to come with, but couldn't get off work, so solo it was. I figured I could practice some firecraft, maybe build a chair, maybe a smoker, and in general just have a nice few days out. I went up early in the morning, hiked about seven miles in, set up my shelter, set up to enjoy the rare luxury of a real fire in Colorado later, and started to do my stuffs set up a couple rods with bells, got out my baskets and set up my dryer in its shelter far away from my sleeping tarp shelter. I was squelching around with my foraging gear out in a few minutes and having a blast. I marched happily along pretty much until dusk and then pulled out my headlamp and kept going well past. I should have, but damn did I get a haul. It was an incredible spread and I left plenty for the woodland critters. I got back to my camp, started cleaning and drying, and probably didn't get to my dinner until one in the morning. I had caught two brook trout of reasonable size, gutted them, and let them hang in a bug net nest of the creek for the next day. Figured it was cold enough that they'd be oak. I got back to my little dinky tarp shelter around 3 a.m. and went inside. To weld off and passed out. I woke around 10 a.m. or so the next day, and the woods were silent. I mean no birds, no bugs. Wind in the branches, nearby a brook gurgling, and that's it. Usually there's something. I decided to be cautious and go about my business. My camp was exactly as I had left it, except for two things. The first was there was a branch, about two feet long, thick as a wrist, laid against the tree. My pack was tied to. It had been gnawed like by a beaver on both ends, which I've heard of, but have never seen before or since. It had no bark on it, but still was green wood. Had to have been left there, but to what end, I have no idea. Unsettling, sure. Freaky, not really. I wasn't scared. Actually, my first thought was I must have picked it up and forgotten about it, and I put it out of my mind and went to collect my fish, which hopefully were still there and weren't rotten or nasty yet. I got into sight of them, or rather the bug net they were in. They were gone. Bug net was loose but intact. It's the drawstring bag-shaped kind. And empty and both fish heads were still hanging in there, but the rest of the fish were gone. Okay? Probably another person then. Someone is giving me the Scooby-Doo treatment. I had a bunch of charcoal from the fire, and there was a nice big rock next to my fishing spot, so I scrawled on there if you're hungry. Come say hi, and I'll share my meal with an arrow pointing roughly towards my camp. Grumpy more than unsettled now. I guess weird beaver branch is a trade for my fish. Whatever. I went to check on my drying shrooms and my berry cooler, and lo and behold, everything under the tarp is untouched. However, I hadn't swept out any of the debris beneath it. Why bother? Well, now there was no debris beneath my tarp. Just straight dirt and rocks. Weird again. I started looking more seriously for tracks and find nothing. Probably debris swept out from under my shelter was covering them. If it not here to play junior detective. I'm here to frolic in the woodlands and collect responsible amounts of treasured forageables. I shake it off, go back to the creek to set my lines again, and I notice my bells are gone. Okay, I couldn't remember if they had been there that morning or not, so I assumed they were taken the previous night. I had only tied the rods to the tree after all. It was easy grabbing. I went back to my tarp, 
made some food and coffee, shook it off, and went about my business. Now here is the somewhat embarrassing thing. I know to make noise in the woods if bears can be around and I like to sing. This isn't the same as singing well or singing manly shanties and viking epic poems. This is, by and large, singing whatever had been playing on the speakers at my job. So Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, Florence, and the Machine. Lord, you get the picture. Also, I'm a bass. Whatever, don't judge me. Stuff is designed to be catchy. So I went back on my rounds and I found some fire morals or ash morals, which are a really rare treat. I was really excited. There are hundreds of them, and it's super late for them to show up. They're my favorite morals. I set about to collecting some and kept myself company by singing. All right, I was singing Bad Romance by one Stefani Germanata. I know. I got to the hua-oh part, if you've heard it, you know it, when I heard what sounded like someone harmonizing. Like I said, I'm a bass, but this was higher tenor. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Or alto and muted by distance a little. It was also completely and undeniably wrong. Scratchy, gravelly, almost buzzy syllables, weird and clipped and disjointed, and a little off-key and off-rhythm. Uncanny valley for sounds. I shut up immediately and froze, and it continued for a moment and then, then stopped. I was experiencing a little bit of what my friends always call pucker butt and started to slowly reach back behind for my Henry on its strap and I heard a single sudden yelp or bark or something in some rustling from somewhere uphill of me behind the tree line. I take a few breaths, assuming I had freaked the other party out as much as they did me, and force myself to relax. I keep small binos on me, and I scan the tree line, but I didn't see anything. I thought this is probably whoever took my fish, probably someone squatting out here. I'm going to keep my head on a swivel some. But if they were going to be a problem, I feel like they already would have confronted me or taken a pot shot or something. It also occurred to me, finally, that I could have just been hearing some weird echo. That thought gave me a little more peace and calm than I had a few minutes before. Although it didn't explain the yelp, but normal animal activity does. Who ain't rationalizing? I decide that that is enough morals, and I do not want to be drying them after dark, so I head back to camp and get to making that happen. Am I an idiot? Maybe. I really didn't want to go home. I love wet weather. I've grown up in high deserts my whole life, and getting to really see some green that late in the year is such a treat. I wanted to stay creepy bullshit, be damned. I had had melments where my brain had tricked me before and I talked myself into believing that it was happening again. I kept singing to myself more quietly than I was before, sustitanium, and it happens again. The weird, buzzy, higher voice joins in, again from a distance, and again I feel the bottom drop out of my stomach, 
I know this probably just sounds creepy because I thought I was alone, but it's hard to convey how off-sounding this was. It was fairly close to what I'd been singing, but like it was coming up out of culvert or something in a few octaves higher, just as buzzy and clicky and hoarse-sounding. If you've ever heard a tornado or a parrot talking or squeaking brakes or a train whistle, you get a sense of the qualities this voice had. It's a pitch a human can emulate with their throat, but the texture and shape of the sound aren't really how we sound like that. I was not having it at all. I shut up immediately again and this time got the Henry off my back and looked around me. I figured this had to be somebody messing with me. Not unheard of for good foraging spots. Look up the fights over Huckleberry Patches if you don't believe me. But definitely my first time. Again, the singing continued for a moment after I stopped, again from uphill and further in the woods, indefinitely in a direction I hadn't gone yet. I called out, announced myself, and asked them to answer, please, nothing. Try it again, nothing. Silence again. And since I'm listening, I notice it again. Just wind in the trees and the creek. No animal noises. No bugs. My head had felt a little squeezy, so I decided I needed to check the weather when I was sure I wasn't going to get shot or something. Maybe a storm was rolling in. Bingo. I had headed over to a clearing, and for sure, storm was rolling in. As always, hard to judge speed, but it wasn't a bad idea to see about reconfiguring my tarp and having an early bedtime. Again, a little more at peace, since I figure any more bullshit from my apparent neighbor is gonna be less likely. I went back to my fishing rods, lucked out, and found I had caught a bigger trout than the night before. I gutted it, cooked it, and ate it on the spot. Those of you in the know, know it's hard to beat. I collected some water for the next day, packed up my foraging stuff, and lashed it all to trunk, and decided to call it there before dusk was on its way in. I set up my tarp in a lower to the ground, more wind-resistant configuration, and set up a spare older one as a kind of rainfly over the entrance. It's worth noting that this was an old, lightweight, silver-colored nylon backpacking tarp, fairly thin set up facing the clearing, since likely the worst wind would be coming from there. It also pretty much blocked my view of the clearing. I did another Widowmaker check, all good, made a hot cocoa and tucked in just as it was starting to come down. It came down hard. I had to put in some earplugs. Lightning was frequent and loud, and I didn't stay particularly dry and didn't get much sleep. It was, all in all, one of the most unpleasant and awe-inspiring nights I had had camping. Somewhere in the middle of the night, I thought I heard, felt something bounce off my tarp, kind of behind me. Well, not that weird. It happens in storms. Figured it was a branch. Then a few minutes later, I see something, maybe a stone about the size of a plum, bounce off of my tarp, off the rain fly, and land in front of me. I get my headlamp turned on, and sure as shit, it's a rock. Rod, but not symmetrical or spherical and smooth. A river rock. Rocks don't fall off trees as a rule, and if this storm had picked one this roundup, I should have been airborne. Then another one, a few minutes later, similar trajectory. Then nothing but the storm for a while. What am I gonna do? Investigate and get soaked. 
I had my gun, and if shit was gonna go down, I was about as ready as I could be. I turned my headlamp back off. I then got treated to pretty much the most awe-inspiring amount of lighting I've ever seen in my life. The sky is lit up for seconds at a time. The earplugs were not protecting me from the thunder, and my ears are ringing. I keep seeing the trees from the edge of the tree line and the clearing projected in shadow form onto my rain fly over and over and over again, dancing this way and that. It was really beautiful and, if kind of inherently scary, also exhilarating. I really couldn't look away. Then pretty clearly I saw what looked like a person walking along the tree line outlined against the trees and my rain fly by the lightning. They were walking weirdly, not running from cover to cover, but just kind of strolling a little unsteadily, like a drunk person. The silhouette wasn't bulky, and for some reason I got the impression they weren't wearing clothes, or if they were, it was very, very tight, not like rain gear. They stopped, and whether or not they were facing me, or, or the clearing, I couldn't tell you, but I felt watched and very exposed. The figure stood, swaying a little, probably being pushed around by the winds, and just looked at whatever they were looking at. I got little glimpses here and there as the lightning flashed, but they didn't appear to be moving much. It was pretty freaky, and I didn't move except to get my gun in front of me. Then I had another rock land on my tarp bounce off and land in front of me. That was a bad moment. Lightning had stopped for a bit, and the thunder had died down for a moment. I had horrible, slow realization that I was very likely surrounded. Then I heard, cutting through the ringing in my ears and momentary silence, clear as it had been earlier, but sounding much closer, the chorus from Titanium from behind my tarp. If you don't know the words, here they are. I'm bulletproof. Nothing to lose. Fire away. Fire away. Ricochet, you take your aim. Fire away. Fire away then nothing. I looked back towards the front and realized I didn't see that figure projected by the lightning anymore, now that there was a lull in the lightning. I remember thinking shit shit just over and over again. I basically was going to have to crawl out of my tarp to get on my feet, and there was pretty much no way I was going to stay in my shelter anymore. I counted down from ten and then pushed myself out and got to my feet. Henry in hand and let out the loudest yell I could. I think I said something like, knock it off. I'm armed. Puff off. I was not in a good headspace. I was about as freaked out as I had ever been up to this point. And this was not all that long after the deer thing I mentioned in my other post. I was about ready to shit myself. I looked around the back of my tent with my light and didn't see anything. Nobody. Just rain pissing down. I walked around the front of my tarp. Nobody. I could clearly see into clearing until my light got swallowed up by the rain. I walked around the edge of my little camp, stitching close to my tarps, and I didn't see anybody. I wish I could say I checked out the tree line for footsteps, but I didn't. I tried to yell again, and my voice was completely in my throat. Another rock hit my shelter and bounced off, squarely in the cone of my headlamp. And I won't lie to you all, I lost it. I fired my Henry into the dirt about ten feet in front of me, and I heard some immediate rustling in the woods, uphill from me again. I yelled out at bum panic bullshit, and though F me if I know why, I ducked into my tarp again, 
wrapped up as much as I could and huddled up with my gun. Eventually, the storm broke, followed by dawn, and I got up to pack up my shit and get out of there. I was pretty shaky, and it took me a while to get my various gear all in hand and brought up to my shelter. I took a few moments to gather up the round river stones, and I noted I didn't see any like wit of this even in the creek, and definitely none sitting around the ground. The debris is too thick. My shelter was the farthest back thing in the woods of the various stations around the camp, except for my pack, which had a garbage bag over it. When I went around back the tarp to grab it, there were two more little sections of sapling, green wood, chewed looking ends, bark stripped again, just like before, leaning against the trunk below it. Nope, not okay. It took me a second to go get my pack. I was that freaked out that I was now afraid of sticks. One my first night and two the second. Nope, of that. I finally got myself under control and went to grab my pack and again, I had a powerful sense of being watched. I shook off the cover, packed it in Q-Dry bag, and turned to Oren to get my stakes out of the ground and pick up my tarp. There was a whole ripped-open dead rabbit on the back edge of my tarp. The rain had washed off any blood that would have been on it, but the carcass was just splayed out there, like it had landed on it after being thrown and then slid down the slope of it. It was fresh enough it didn't stink, and the digestive tract hadn't been punctured. I was instantly and totally numb metal dial tone. I picked it up with a stick, dropped it on my swamp. Out fire pit, yanked my tarp out of the ground, one stake at a time, balled it up, yanked my rain fly out of its lashings hard enough to rip it, grabbed the rest, my shit, loosely shoved it all in my pack, put my Henry so it hung in front of me in power walkies, jogged my way out of there until I couldn't any more, and breathlessly walked the rest of the way to my car. I got in, drove about twenty minutes, and then had to pull over to throw up a few times and have a panic attack. I have never been back there alone, and definitely not unarmed. Even then, I only went back in 2017. I still can't listen to that song without feeling sick. I know rationally that it was probably squatters or somebody up there messing with me, but the same question keeps coming up. Why didn't they need lights? smelled a strong ammonia and burning match smell out in the state forest. Made my dog sneeze. I walked up on it and found a blue tarp encampment guarded by at least one guy with a rifle. As I'm looking at him, he looks right at me, but clearly didn't see me through the tree cover because I was at most 100 yards away. Dropped a pin on my phone, cut back around off trail to the other side, dropped another pin. When I got home, I sent the location to the sheriff's department. They made no arrest, but they seized the meth lab. Bob and I drove up and attempted to locate the Malala River site. I mistakenly thought it was before the Horse Creek turnoff, so we didn't find it. We instead found an area which we thought was the location. A small road which was closed off recently by a large dirt pile. There were people everywhere, so we decided to drive up Horse Creek Road in order to find a remote location to camp. We drove about three, four miles up Horse Creek Road and ended up on a brushy tertiary road. It was a beautiful setting, 
The road was bordered by deciduous trees, and our campsite was parked, like under huge old-growth timber. Above us was a clear cut full of thistles. We picked up two plastic grocery bags worth of garbage. I was cursing the previous campers the entire time and made camp. After a dinner of boiled hot dogs on the Coleman burner, fire season is in effect, we made coffee and sat back in our chairs to drink it. It was about 8.15, still very light out. A loud but somewhat distant roar came from east of camp from about one-fourth mile away. Within a minute's time, it was answered by another roar from west of camp, right above us in the clear cut. The roars were deep, gravelly, and powerful. The first was slightly higher pitched than the first, and slightly longer in duration. Bob and I grabbed our coffee and bolted for the jeep on the second one. It was loud and close. We sat in the jeep with the windows down, drinking our coffee and waiting for another sound. We heard nothing, no branches breaking, no answering calls, nothing. I had the camcorder recording by now, but it already missed the action. We were concerned that it might be bears and debated whether to stay or go. We decided to stay. I thought it was unlikely that a bear would bother us if it hadn't already. And if it was a big guy, all the better. Nonetheless, I spent a very sleepless night in the tent. During the night, we heard a few branches breaking, but nothing very telling. The following morning, two bear hunters came by on quad runners. We told them of the sounds we'd heard. One of the hunters was of the opinion that we had somehow gotten between a sow bear and her cub. I inquired if he'd heard anything about Bigfoot sightings in the area. He chuckled and said that, Although he didn't disbelieve in Bigfoot, he hadn't heard anything about Bigfoot in that area. We thanked them and they left. I walked up in the clear-cut area that the second, deeper roar came from and found no footprints, although the ground was soft and the dirt was bare. We decided, after packing up camp, to drive farther down the road towards Copper Creek. On a hunch, we pulled into a camping area on the right, and lo and behold, it was the elusive Malala site. I recognized the trees from Steve and Teresa's photo. We made lunch and hung around for a bit. All the campers had left, and we had the spot to ourselves. Bob pointed out the ridge across the valley. It was our camp spot. We were almost directly across the river from this spot the night before. We continued on down the road, trying to find Copper Creek. No luck. The map was not at all clear. Never buy a Pittman's map. They're black and white and hand-drawn, which makes it impossible for even a veteran map reader like me to distinguish between the roads and the rivers. And the road that we thought might be Copper Creek Road was gated off. We gave up, though I was very intrigued by the gravel pit camp spot described in the track record where the campers had witnessed small lights hovering above the trees, and I desperately wanted to locate that spot. On September 20th, 2001, at approximately 11.30 p.m., my wife was returning from Portland to the coast. She stopped at the rest area on Highway 26, which I believe is at about the 27-mile marker to let our dog out. While there, she heard what she described as an eerie scream coming from the southeast and lasting about four or five seconds. She said that it was far enough away that it didn't scare her. As described, the scream would have come from across Highway 26, 
and in an area where there has been some activities, he reports under Clatsop County. I played the recordings on this website for her, and she said it sounded like Matt Moneymaker's Ohio recorded scream. <laughs> 